You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I are joined by Geneviève Marchand and Jennifer DeBoer for a discussion about the next generation of leaders in the outdoor recreation industry. As is typically the case when we have guests, we talked for so long that we split our conversation into two podcast episodes. So during this week's part one episode, we'll talk about how programs like Western Colorado University's Outdoor Industry MBA can help students learn more about the outdoor recreation industry. What are some simple ways to gain an advantage in the labor market when seeking a career in the outdoor industry? What can aspiring outdoor recreation leaders look forward to when they enter the industry? Let's get into it. I'm super happy you're here, and I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves. How about that? I'm going to completely punt. Okay. Well, so I'm Geneviève Marchand. I go by Jen as well. That's totally fine. I'm currently a visiting professor in the Outdoor Industry MBA program at Western Colorado University. Uh, I'm Jennifer DeVore. I go by Jen. I am the director of Western's Outdoor Industry MBA program, and I teach a bit here, uh, strategic management and business sustainability courses. Wow. That's, I mean, super interesting to meet you and to be able to talk to you about what's going on in higher education for outdoor. Because honestly, when I think about outdoor and I think about the path that brought me into outdoor, I don't, I never really thought about it specifically. I mean, I wasn't smart enough when I was an undergrad to go, you know what I really want to do. What I really want to do is and then and then list something in outdoor. So, I mean, what is that like? Are you meeting students that have actually had that conversation with themselves and said, I want to work in outdoor? Yeah, I would say that a, the vast majority of our students either currently work in the outdoor industry or else they really want to move into the outdoor industry. Oftentimes, I find that when we interact with individuals that are just learning about the program, they have a similar background to you where they just didn't think of this as a possibility. And oftentimes, when people think about careers in the outdoor industry, they think about seasonal employment. And there's just so much more out there. And so if you look at some of the larger organizations in the industry and you speak with middle-level managers, even upper management, often they're in those positions um, mostly because they have so much experience or so many years in the industry and they might not have the education. So, you know, maybe they were really good at either sales or helping develop a new product, but then moving into that upper management levels can be, you know, it's a very different skill set. And so that's where we come in. I think that, you know, our goal is to really prepare students to be managers, to be leaders in the outdoor industry. We have a, you know, pretty core traditional MBA program, but with a huge focus and emphasis on the outdoor industry. So a lot of the courses are going to address some of the specific trends and changes that are taking place in the industry that are quite different than what you might experience if you're going into banking and finance or any other industry. Yeah, definitely. That's that's super interesting. Patrick, you're not off the hook today. Did you imagine your pathway in outdoor before college or during college? Only towards the end of my master's program, I started working with Dr. John Loomis at Colorado State, who'd done a bunch of valuation of natural resources like related to outdoor rec. Um, and so I started studying with him and I ended up writing my master's thesis on hunting in Colorado and like the marketplace for elk tags. 
But I think it was really late in the game where I realized like, oh, I could apply this cool economic skill set to something I'm really passionate about, which is the outdoors. And I just like, it, it's such a small field. It's it, it wasn't something I'd been aware of beforehand. So I I was fortunate that I did identify that path before I, I got out into the job market because then I was able to like start studying hunting and fishing with Southwick Associates and then turn my focus on cycling at People for Bikes and and really like have this amazing career in outdoor rec. I, I think it's pretty unique though. It seems like you, all pathways are unique. Right? And that's, <laughs> that, 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 that is true. problematic. What do you, do you think that that's true? Well, so I think that is because the outdoor industry is so wide, right? Um, that is definitely, I think, one of the challenge, you know, when we think about like, what is like, closer, maybe related to the outdoor industry, right, in terms of like, the equipment or, or the services, right, like, there is, that's a little bit clearer. But when you start looking at like, the broader picture, right, like, that'd be like research, marketing, you know, supply chain, like services, tourism, right, it gets so wide that I think it can be a little bit overwhelming for students when they're thinking about their education, right? And potentially one of the problems that we have in higher education and and I would say also in high school, because I think that's where a lot of this start, right? Is that because it's so wide, it's not really clear kind of where to go and, and where to throw yourself if you want. And often what I've seen with my students is that you know, they, they kind of have to dabble into like, you know, what it is, what area of the outdoor industry do they want to do, you know, before maybe they settle on something. So that can, that can definitely be really challenging. And the other piece is potentially a little bit of a lack of even knowledge, if you want, from early on, right? So like, I think one of the bigger problem that we have in the outdoor industry workforce is that when you think about high school students, when they're being advised in high school, very rarely are they advised to go into the outdoor industry. Like it's not something that I think most career uh, advisors think about. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily no fault of career advisors, but it's not something that is second nature yet, right? Like we advise a lot of, I think, high school students to go into the more typical majors. And there's a, a huge gap between high school students coming into college or, you know, even doing like community college or four-year universities. And they come in and they they have no clue that it's something that's open to them. So I think when they come in, especially on the undergrad level, this is where I came from before I did my or work for the MBA program, is that students find it, we call it discovery majors, right? They come in and they've been advised to go into like wildlife, natural resources business communication, right? Because they, that's what they were advised to do. And then suddenly they have this click when they come to college of like, oh my God, like I can actually study this stuff. You know, this is something I can do. Uh, and sometime, unfortunately it's, I wouldn't say it's too late, but they're like in year three or four by the time they, they realize that it's an option. I guess, thankfully, maybe the plug here is like, you know, when you're ready to do your MBA, if you know, you love the outdoors, you know, there's places that you could go now. But I think that's that's one of the big gaps that we see. Yeah. So Jennifer, you mentioned that there is a specific set of skills that that you've identified beyond like once they realize that this is something they want to do. Can you talk about what some of the fundamental skills might be? Um, there are so many. I would say that some of the larger ones, this isn't going to be in the correct order. I go back and forth about what would be most important. 
but especially, and maybe this is a little bit biased because of my own, uh, the courses that I teach, the research that I conduct, sustainability is massive right now. And I define sustainability based on both environmental impacts and social impacts. And I think that businesses are, of course, focusing more and more attention on sustainability, yet a lot of business leaders and managers have very traditional business educations and business backgrounds, and they haven't spent very much time thinking about the natural environment or a business's or organization's impact on society. You know, many people have taken electives and we offer some electives, but what we really try to do is integrate some of those concerns and some of those issues and more importantly, maybe some of those opportunities throughout our curriculum. So I know that our marketing professors incorporate social like DEI types of issues and content in their courses. We have multiple economics courses that incorporate environmental economics and sustainability into those courses. And so sustainability, again, broadly defined with environment and social issues, is incorporated throughout the curriculum because we're that's such an important broad issue facing this industry, maybe more than others. Um, and it's important to point out because I think that the outdoor industry often thinks that they are one of the most sustainable industries. And yet, as I think all of us know, they don't always walk the talk. And that's a problem. Yeah. And that's going to, you know, we have climate change and we have social issues and there's so many things going on. And so I think we need more attention and more integration and more priority on those topics, again, built into the curriculum. You know, how do, what what is ethical accounting, right? What is SASB? What are all of these different frameworks and reporting perspectives that companies can pursue to hopefully make some progress towards being more sustainable? And so I'd say that that's probably one of the larger ones. I think that there's a lot that are, that's going on with technology, with innovation, with AI, with supply chain issues. You know, there's just so much going on that it's going to be a little bit course dependent in some areas. But I'd say, broadly speaking, sustainability is going to be one of the large ones that I feel like the outdoor industry is a good but not great example of, and we have a lot of work to do. And that's one of the things that this program, I think, is really working on is preparing students to make a positive impact where possible in those areas. How do you help the, your graduates find jobs? And do you, do you track that at all? Well, so Jen's actually working on tracking right now. I know I got an email from you today, Jen. So thank you for that. So <laughs> it's something that we haven't tracked as well. We're still a fairly new program. We're only about five years old. So unfortunately, we haven't tracked it as well as we probably should have thus far. Um, we do stay in touch with a lot of our alumni. So that's part of what Jen and I will be working on. It's just reaching out to them, utilizing a survey to sort of see, you know, where they were before they started the program, where they were at the end of the program and where they are now and what they've kind of experienced and gone through throughout that process. We definitely have professional development built into the program in several pieces. So Jen will actually be teaching a course on project management that will involve a professional uh, portfolio assignment. And it's pretty extensive. There's a lot of aspects to that communication plans, networking plans, 10 people that I want to meet that they then do have to at least reach out to. And so there's lots of things kind of in the first year of the program that we sort of expose them to and, and kind of push them into so that they do get a little bit of networking and professional development specific to whatever their professional aspirations and interests might be. Towards the end of the program, they take a capstone course and there we're really working with career services and professional development uh, resources here on campus to really get them prepared. So, you know, we're trying to we have it's a smaller program. And so we're trying to work with them one on one. Every student has an advisor. We have about 10 different advisors that are professional. Some of them are faculty, some of them are industry professionals. They all have different areas of expertise. And we try to pair students with an advisor that aligns well with 
their interests. Um, and so those advisors are giving them very detailed feedback and helping them make connections with industry contacts. Um, and again, trying to provide them with, you know, whatever resources and materials we can so that they are a really good candidate once they're about to graduate. Definitely. Is there any kind of mentorship program that students can participate in? Like if, if let's say they, they showed interest in, in textiles, they want to go into maybe product design in, in apparel. Is there something that, that the industry could do? Um, to provide them with a little bit more experience, either through an internship or a mentorship program? Yeah. So, you know, there's a few different ways in which that could work out. We have sort of direct or formal relationships and opportunities and then indirect. I'll focus on one of the most important formal. We do really focus on experiential education. So a big part of the Outdoor Industry MBA at Western is our capstone projects, and they usually require about 12 months of interaction with an industry sponsor or an industry partner. And so our students will try to find either an organization or a specific professional within an in, you know a sector of the industry or a specific part of the industry and partner with them on a project that is going to provide them with professional development and skills that they're trying to build so that they can be a good candidate. But it is essentially a graduate level or MBA level, long, intensive internship. So it can be extremely beneficial to whoever the industry partner or industry sponsor is. I can give one example. We had a student a few years ago that really wanted to work for Yeti. And so he reached out to a few different Yeti employees, Yeti Cycles on LinkedIn and then connected with them. He was particularly interested in sustainability. They wanted to be more sustainable in how they were shipping bikes. And he worked with them for I think 12 to 14 months and they came up with a more sustainable solution for shipping bikes and offered him a position, you know, it went really, really well. So we have quite a few examples like that where a student will reach out. We also have quite a few businesses that will come and pitch projects to the entire cohort. But yeah, students will partner with industry ideally in ways that are going to lead to their professional development, you know, who they want to work for or the area that they want to work in, um, in a mutually beneficial way. Yeah, that's what an awesome story. You, you guys helped him totally grease that landing into Yeti. My yeah. <laughs> Holy moly, that's perfect. I, I will share uh, a challenge that I think, you know, we're all aware of is the outdoor industry does not unfortunately pay quite as well as other industries. And because he took <laughs> Uh, two finance courses and one accounting course, uh, a good econ course that had some finance built into it. He was pretty well prepared to work in finance. And so he did take a job, it, despite having, uh, from what I understand, a couple of job offers from Yeti, he did end up working for a financial organization. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he's pretty happy there. Um, but my hope is that someday, I don't know, he'll partner with Yeti again. But um, see, but yeah, so... so. Here, here's the way that it makes sense is that once you get the pro deals and you spend less money on cycling equipment because of the discounts, it all ends up kind of washing out depending on your avidity. <laughs> I, I totally forgot that People for Bikes had a um, an MBA student work with us earlier this year who is, it, we had an amazing experience. I think she was able to use her experience for her capstone and we were able to use her expertise for a lot of work on um, electric mountain bike recreation access for whatever reason, it didn't occur to me until we were, had that in-depth review of, of that program. But yeah, we, we've participated in that and we had a great experience with it. Awesome. And she's a fantastic student. So yeah, thank you. Yes. That's wonderful. You know, also, you know, for potentially students that are not at the graduate level yet that are, you know, either haven't gone to college or, or 
you know, are in college and are thinking about like, how do I do this? How do I transition? How do I get an internship? Right. Like I, I would say the first thing is like reach out and network, right? Like there is, it's totally okay to like reach out to people on LinkedIn and, and, you know, to say like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm a college student or, or I'm debating what I want to do. And I'd love to see if you have any internship or apprenticeship, you know, that I can do with you. You know, I think sometimes with a term internship, right, like has an academic connotation to it. And some organization have organized internship and they require that you're in college to do the internship, but that's not always the case, right? So really, I think for students to kind of reach out and and something I've told my students the last 20 years is basically like you kind of what Jen was saying, like, if you want to work with a certain organization, like give them a call, you know, send them an email, like, and just say like, Hey, this is where I'm at in my career. I'd love to do an internship with you. Like, could we work something out? Here's what I have to offer you. Right. Like the worst they're going to say is no. (laughs) And often they're like, psyched that someone reached out to them. Right. And especially I think for brands, the organization to be able to train people early on, you know, in the internship, it's, it's a win-win situation, right. Then they get to like Mm -hmm. bring, potentially bring them into their organization and um, yeah. And everyone wins. So yeah, reach out. (laughs) Yeah. I I get so many of those emails and I imagine you do too, Kelly, just, just folks, like you said, sort of reaching out out of the blue going, Hey, I found the research at peopleforbikes.org kind of generic email address. And I I want to share my expertise. I'm really interested in this. I love cycling. Here's what I think I want to do. Do you have any opportunity for me to help out? And a lot of times the answer is yes, because there's a lot of work to be done and there's not a lot of people to do it. I would suggest that the outdoor rec industry might be comprised of the most approachable people. You know, every (laughs) everyone I know that works in outdoor rec is wearing blue jeans and backwards hats and everyone is more than happy to have an informal conversation about a a student's aspirations to to join the industry. I was just thinking about jobs I've gotten because I was hanging around a lot. Right. (laughs) So here's a, here, here's a list of outdoor industry jobs that I've, that I've held simply Mm -hmm. because I was hanging around. I managed a bike shop or a triathlon shop in Hawaii for two years. while I was in graduate school. I got that job because I was just hanging around. (laughs) <laughs> I was in the shop way too often. And they're like, hey, man, we need some help here. Do you want?" And I was like, yeah, I guess I can do that. So I ended up doing that. Also, I got a job as snow reporter at Ski Liberty just up the street because I was just hanging around in their marketing office. And they said that I'd have to share my cube. And I said, with who? And they said, the snow reporter. And I said, who's that? And they said, no one's applied yet. And I said, where's the application? I would like to apply now. <laughs> Two jobs. Yeah. It's, it's But I mean, those are just jobs. If and I do get, I do get inquiries. And some for lately, that's been that it's been a little off the rails. Like I've had a lot of retirees that want. Oh, really? To to do a bunch of work in outdoor, they're like so interested, especially around sustainability and climate. Um, all of a sudden, they're on fire, like concerned that they're leaving a world on fire. Their grandkids and they want to do a bunch of extra work. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about. <laughs> We're talking about kids like thinking about what they want to do for a career and trying yeah. to steer them in the outdoor. Um, but yeah, it's it, it. We are an approachable industry, I think, and I think we are an industry where you can get a job because you're just hanging around and showing a bunch of interest because it's a passion-driven industry, right? It's it, this yeah. is there aren't a bunch of people thinking they're going to get super rich working in the outdoor industry, but you know, if you if you can quantify happiness and experience and, you know, mm-hmm. having a, a life that you find 
to be um, purposeful and meaningful, then maybe we are getting wealthy in the outdoors. You had that example earlier about everyone wearing jeans. I worked for a a very large winery and would occasionally have to go through bottling. And I I did have a higher dress code that I was kind of held to. And at one point offered my boss, I told my boss I would take a $10,000 a year pay cut if he would allow me to wear jeans because I would be more comfortable, more productive, more happy. It would be a win-win for everyone. And they yeah, just- Yeah, should have started lower, man. That is so funny. That is so funny. He started like 2,000, right? He, he said no to 10,000. And I didn't have that large of a salary. That was the first job I had out of That's my bachelor's so funny. degree. Is, so, that, is that business still in business? Yeah, Gallo That's like a really dumb business. It's very large. Business. Sorry for that guy. Actually, it's actually the largest winery in the world. So it's a very oh, wow. successful business. I, I, but, I think um, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that job. I mean, that job is part of why I'm in this job. It's that sure, that sure. job's a large part of why I'm in this job. That's too funny. <laughs> but yeah, I, we had a conference earlier this year and, and I brought in a professor from uh the DC area. I, I think it was George Washington. He he lectured at and he was doing some research for us and I failed to warn him ahead of time that we're a blue jeans industry. And he came in, in his suit with his tie on and everything. And he gave a presentation. And afterwards he was like, man, if I come back next year, y'all all have it right. I need to be wearing blue jeans and a polo shirt and I'd fit right in. And, and it sounds like a silly analogy, but really everyone here in the industry, whether it's bike or outdoor more broadly or whatever, is there because we love the activity, you know? And that's not to say that you have to be the most avid, most passionate person to be successful in the industry. We've worked really hard to make sure that we're not limiting our focus to just the people who are like living on their bicycle. But someone who has an interest in and passion for these activities um, is someone who's going to be successful. Yeah, I think it's important also to note, like something we, you know, we talk about how like a lot of these jobs are passion jobs and, and, you know, I, that's how I started my career. And and I think I had privilege that allowed me to have these potentially like lower paying jobs. Right. And that's important to know that like, one, that's not something that everyone can do. And two, like, there's also plenty of work in the outdoor industry that you can make a very decent living. Like, you know, are you going to be a multimillionaire? Like, that's probably not everyone in the outdoor industry. But, you know, I, I chose the path I chose because you know, I, I had worked as a guide for many years. I, you know, I had worked like in the therapeutic outdoor field for many years, you know, and I was like, that was all great. But in the end, I wanted to make a salary that was a little bit, you know, allowed me to buy more skis and more jackets. <laughs> and, you know, to be able to do that, I took the path of of going into higher education, right? And still, you know, I, I was, I mean, I was super lucky to be able to do a ton of outdoor activities and you know, the lead students and still do a lot of outdoor stuff. But I guess my point is like, I think it's important for people to know that it's not necessarily like poverty level job to work in the outdoor industry. And that, yeah. you know, with like, I think the right kind of like either education, training, networking, you know, intention, the right information, you can get a well-paying job that also, you know, it fulfills your passion, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, agreed. And it's funny. I mean, when I when I think about what I'm after and you know what I think a lot of young people are after is some financial security. I mean, you can't it, it's one thing to take a job because it's passion oriented, but you know, these jobs come with benefits. They come with with health yeah. insurance so that your health care is taken care of for the most part. You know, they come with 401k so that you can save for the future. And young people, please 
please just jam as much money away as you can. There's something magical called compound interest that I'd like to introduce you to. It's one of my best. <laughs> um, but I mean, these are, this is, we're talking about careers in outdoor, and and these yeah. are jobs that are available. I mean, yes, there there are jobs in the, in outdoor that maybe don't pay as well, but you get to do your passion, um, or you get to participate in something that you're super passionate about. But the pay isn't great, and the benefits aren't great. But I'm telling you, those the jobs that that will take care of you as you take care of the job are out there. And I mean, just looking at this group of five people, we've all kind of got one, including you, Drew. Sorry, you guys can't see Drew. He's a person. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm really optimistic about this because I do think especially younger generations tend to focus a little bit more on the entire package when they're considering the job and the employer that they want to spend time with and give to, right? And I, I think that's partly generational, but I think that's partly a result of COVID where, you know, COVID basically sent us all home and we were working remote and we had some time to reflect. And a lot of people, I mean, we, you know, everybody, a lot of people quit, right? So a lot of people rethought what was really important and really valuable to their life and to their happiness. And now we just see more and more people choosing to take maybe a little bit of a pay cut, but to work for a company that aligns with their values, that's purpose oriented, et cetera, um, instead of just simply, you know, working in an industry where maybe they make more money, but they have no passion for the product or the industry or anything like that. So I'm hopeful and optimistic that that more and more students will realize that there's just so many benefits and so many more important considerations beyond just salary. But I also want the industry to figure out how to pay a little bit better too. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time. <laughs>